Amen. And now I introduce our lovely and amazing pastor, Pastor Joe Soares. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. You received an outline when you walked in tonight. We're going to try something I've never done before on a Wednesday night. I usually conduct our Bible studies this way. Um, the men's Bible study on Tuesday morning, we definitely handle this way. You receive an outline. Um, for those of you that are considering coming, we end at 8 a.m. That's it. We stop in mid-sentence if we have to because we recognize that people have to get to work. So what we're going to do, we're going to try this tonight, uh, see how it works. Sometimes, um, what was that? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Start again. We're going to use this outline. We're going to ask the baby to read the scriptures. <laughs> so um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give an opportunity. Now, for those of you that are the first time tonight, we don't do this all the time. So don't get nervous. Um, now, because I know if I walked into a church right now and they handed me an outline, it's the first time I'm coming to church, my mind would be racing. Oh, my God, they're going to make me talk. They're going to want me to read something. They're going to expect. No. You don't have to participate but you can't. So the format we're going to go with tonight is that if you have a question while we're going through this material, you can ask the question, okay? If you have a comment, if you have an observation, if you have, now, if you have an argument, save it for later. <laughs> Write your question down. We'll talk about it after the service. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is an opportunity for you to um, be part of this instead of just sitting here listening, okay? okay? Let's see how it works. If it works good, we'll do it again a couple of times. <laughs> if it doesn't... <laughs> and everybody said? Amen. All right, so <clears throat> we're going to start off by reading uh, this little story that's here that kind of sets the context of what we're studying. Is there anybody that doesn't have an outline? Let me see your hand. Okay, so they're right behind you, right, right on the table, right behind you there. Like I said, you can share one. <laughs> is anybody here that is a couple and you have two? Okay, so you don't need to. All right, there's another one. There's another one over here. How many? I think we made 100. So we know we have over 100 people here tonight. So that's one good way. Of... Okay. All right. So I'm going to start reading. You read along with me. Anybody else does not have an outline? That didn't sound right. Was that grammatically correct? Does not have or do not have? Does not have. I was okay. I'm so used to the wrong grammar. The right one didn't sound right. Are we ready? Okay, don't read out loud, just read, follow along with me. Uh, you know what, we better pray. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your help tonight. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, we welcome you here. 
We welcome you to manifest your presence. We welcome you to manifest your wisdom, your grace, revelation knowledge. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the light bulb goes off with some of us that maybe haven't considered these things. Uh, Lord, there's always room for us to grow, and so we expect growth tonight, Father. Lord, I pray that every person here tonight would feel safe to ask a question or safe to share something, Lord God, along the lines of what we're studying tonight, Father. And Lord, that we would all have the opportunity to grow together tonight and to glorify you with, with, with everything that happens here this night in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so the topic we're going to be covering for tonight and probably the next couple of weeks, unless this really goes bad, is how to experience God's love and forgiveness. I, I chose this topic because I feel like it's something that every one of us, no matter what stage we're at in our Christianity and our Christian walk, we always need to really be fresh on this area. Amen? Amen? Amen. So if you're a newcomer to the faith or a newcomer to our church or, um, or you've been here forever and been serving God and walking with God for your whole life, this is an area we always need to stay fresh. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, so relationships are one of the joys of life talking to, working with, and interacting with people are the nuts and bolts of everyday living. Our relationship with God is the most important relationship of all. We would all agree with that, right? Yes. Okay. In the same way that we have been born into our natural families, we have a relationship and have a relationship with our earthly fathers, so too we have been born into the family of God through Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with God the Father. Nothing can change our blood relationship with our earthly father. And nothing can change our blood relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our relationship with God is secure because of the blood of Jesus. However, the quality of our relationship with people and the degree of closeness in friendships can vary depending on the behavior of the people involved. I think we'd all agree with that. How many of you had situations in your life where you were very close to someone? And then you go through a season where there's some, some straining of the relationship and there's not as much closeness as there was before. It doesn't mean that you're done with each other. Uh, what it means is you're going through a, a season of maybe, maybe some barriers need to be clarified. Maybe there's some wounding, some hurts, some misunderstandings. Most of the stuff, if, really, if everybody would be honest with each other, most of the tough stuff comes down to more of a misunderstanding or speculation in our minds. Have you ever, had, have you ever found yourself having, having an attitude with somebody you don't even know why you have an attitude? Just me. Okay. So, so the quality of relationship with people and the degree of closeness of friendships can vary depending on the behavior of the people involved. We can see this through the following example of a situation that could occur in a father-child relationship. Okay? So here's the story. Suppose you are a teenager <clears throat> who has just received your driver's license. It's Friday night, and your father gives you the keys to the new car. I want to emphasize new car. <laughs> At midnight, you return home after a fun evening with your friends. You confidently pull the car into the, into the driveway, only to hear the sickening sound of scraping metal. <laughs> your heart sinks as you realize that you have just hit the mailbox with your dad's new car. You park the car in the garage and immediately check the rear bumper, for damages. And to your surprise, there isn't a scratch on the car. You look to heaven and whisper a heartfelt thank you, Lord. You quietly walk out to inspect the damaged mailbox. You slip into the house 
and tiptoe upstairs. As you fall off to sleep, you're battling with the question, should I tell dad? The next morning, you decide not to mention anything about the mailbox. Since there wasn't any damage to the car, your dad will assume some vandals sideswiped the mailbox during the night. Besides, if you did tell your dad, maybe he wouldn't trust you with the car in the future. What you don't know, however, is that your dad saw the whole incident. <laughs> he was sitting in the darkened living room, looking out the picture window, waiting for you to arrive safely home. He saw you knock down the mailbox. He saw you check the mailbox. He saw it all. At breakfast, he is waiting for you to tell him all about it. When you don't say anything about it, how do you think that affects your relationship with him? I think this is a really good, really good story to kind of set this pattern because the truth of the matter is God sees everything we're doing. Honestly, it even goes further than that. He sees the things we're thinking about that we don't even say out loud. He knows everything. Why we have this hard time going to God with stuff, I don't know. It's just part of our human nature that we probably need to really um, harness and change direction because he knows it all already. And what, what makes it even harder is he knew before you were born that you were going to knock down the mailbox <laughs> and still loved us and still chose us and still sent Jesus to die for us. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, section A. Get your, get your pens ready. If you have a pen, if you don't have a pen, it's in the seat in front of you. Answer the following questions based on the incident described in the car, the mailbox illustration above. How do you think the father felt? What was that? What was that? Disappointed, disappointed, hurt, sad, concerned. Why, why, hold on a second. Why would he be concerned? Where, where's this going to lead? Hey, where's the mics? No, because I want to make sure everybody can hear. You have one, too? Okay. My concern for my child that his thinking in getting away with something this time, and where is that going to lead? What, what path is that going to take him down? Wow, that's good. That's good, yeah. He, he's broken trust. Yeah. What was that? What else is he lying about? Well, I don't know. If, yeah, but I don't know if he would take it that far. Um, what about, what about the disappointment in thinking, wow, I thought my son was different? Disappointment. In other words, I'm discovering what my child has in their heart. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. So, okay, we're all on the same page as far as that goes, thank God. <laughs> no, because um, many people have different parenting ideas and uh, a lot of them are not good. I can imagine someone saying, well, you know, uh, my son has the right to do whatever he wants to do as far as how to handle this. No. Yeah, thank you, not my house. Now let's talk about that attitude for a little bit. Not in my house. Okay. Where does that come from? Does it come from, this is my castle, I'm going to be the king, you're going to do what I say, or does it come from, 
I've only got a certain amount of years to train you. And sometimes love, what's that? then what, where am I failing as a parent? How can I help you to get back to the closeness with God? Because you know we raise them as best we can, but we're not perfect. Right. But, but the goal is to establish a firm foundation. Exactly. So they'll follow that path. Exactly. Right. So let's go into the scriptures and see what we pull out of the scriptures as it pertains to this. Again, the topic is getting to know God's love and, and forgiveness. Uh, number two, question number two. How do you think the child-parent friendship, friendship now, see that it's in italics, we're talking about friendship. How do you think the child-parent friendship has been affected? Do they still have close fellowship? No. Come on. My God, I'm, sure, I'm glad that kid's not here tonight. <laughs> So, so the friendship, the closeness, and I, I really wish the outline would have just used friendship twice instead of friendship and then fellowship. Um, in other words, the relationship has been affected. Now, obviously, uh, in a true life situation, um, there is forgiveness, and we're obviously talking about that. But let's talk about it a little bit here. Do you think if the father start, began to nag the son and nag the son and nag the son and nag the son that that's a good thing? No. 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 But the son is very much aware that the relationship has been affected. Obviously, the father is very much aware that the relationship has been affected. So let's go to the next question. So I think we're all on the same page when it comes to that. How do you, number three, how do you think the child-parent relationship has been affected? The friendship, now the relationship, do they still have a father-child relationship? Yes. Absolutely. Why? Because of the blood. Because of basic DNA. That father cannot deny that the child is son, that, that, that young man is still his son. Amen? Okay, good. So, number four, what should the teenager do if he wants to restore the relationship? Yes. All right, it's, it's a, it went into mob rule all of a sudden. Just one or two people, raise your hand. Let me see who you are. Oh, you, you talked already. You should tell the truth to his father. You should tell the truth to his father. Just openly admit what he did. Right. Restore the relationship. Need a mic over here. Just got to build it back up, 10 times bigger, 10 times stronger. You got to build the trust back again. Because now the parent wants to know the root of the problem, the heart of the problem. Why did you lie? Not that you lied, but why? Were you fearful of punishment? Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. It says in the story that, you know, he was afraid that maybe the father wouldn't give him the keys again. (laughs) So obviously, there's a trust issue here. Um, Anybody else? George, Mindy, can we get another find, mic? Find find a story in the word. Bro, I get that. Find a story in the word that's applicable, and read it together. 
Well, I think the relationship's got to get a little bit repaired first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what story would you go to in the scriptures? Prodigal son. Prodigal son. Although, now that we're on that subject, the father never required the son. As the son is confessing to the father, the father's not even listening to it. I always picture this like the son is embracing, excuse me, the father's embracing the son. The son is confessing this script that he's been going over in his head the whole trip home, and the father's not interested in it. The father is busy talking to the servants how he's going to restore the child. So here's the danger that we need to make clear distinction here. Yes, the illustration is great, but it is not exactly a 100% description of how God is with us. Amen? Let's make sure we make that distinction. And the reason why I want to make that distinction is this. I would venture to say the great majority of us in this room, if not everyone, has some... What's the word I'm looking for? A blind spot with our Father in heaven because we relate our experience with our natural Father. So there's many of us that have trust issues with God because you had trust issues with your dad. There's many of us that are concerned and very fearful of disappointing God, hurting his heart, because we had that kind of relationship with our natural fathers. Some of you, this wasn't my experience, but some of you, I'm sure there's a percentage of people here you never met your father. So you don't even know how to relate to a person in that position, a person of authority, a person that's older than you. You just don't know how to do that because you, you, you don't have a reference point. So recognize those things and then have the courage and the faith to go to the Father in heaven and say, I don't know how to relate to you. I don't have a baseline. I don't have a reference point. Or the one I've had was not good. Otherwise, some of us may have a problem receiving from God, obviously trusting God, having faith in God. Uh, some of us may spend our entire lives on this earth as Christians going to heaven, but never having, never developed that closeness to God because you didn't have that kind of relationship with your father. So let's be careful as we use this illustration. It's good, it's good. But let's not, you're not going to be able to line everything up as a natural father conducts himself, even, even one of the most perfect fathers, okay? Because God is completely perfect, Amen. always love, uh, always compassionate, plus he has foreknowledge. He already knows every mess up. He already knows every sin we're going to fall into, already knows the things that trigger us, the things that motivate us. He already knows those things. Let's not forget that. Amen? Okay, number five. How, how are we doing so far? Is this good? Yes. Number five, <clears throat> what do you think will happen to the friendship, not, not the blood relationship, 
The father can never deny that the son is his son. The son can never deny that the father is his father. Okay? What do you think will happen to the friendship if the teenager never says anything to his father about the mailbox? Raise hand, raise hand. Well, there could be. It doesn't necessarily have to happen. There could be an erosion. There'll be a wedge. Yeah. There'll be a wedge. There'll be be division. Um, But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And I'm saying this stuff because there very well could be somebody in this room that's going through this kind of stuff right now. Okay? Uh, Can I I just say this, Jen? And then I'll, yeah. Just please make sure you raise your hand again. Well, you know what? Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Okay, did everybody hear that back there? No, go ahead. It'll leave a space for doubt, questions, suspicions, and Satan. Yeah, the enemy looks for division. The enemy looks for separation. The enemy looks for strife. It's amazing how he'll cause the strife and then he'll come back and look for it to see how you reacted to it. Hold on. I have an unusual spin. The, um, The father may actually be relieved in the sense that, gee, it's just a mailbox compared to all of the sick stuff that goes on today. If you, right. You know. right, but the point that she made here on the front row was where is this going to lead to? Yeah, if it's not dealt, and I'm not saying, you know, the father's got to put the kid in jail, you know, <laughs> go sign a complaint against him, but depending on how the father responds, um, because ultimately, it's the father's responsibility. Uh, depending on how the father responds will determine how the relationship's going to go in the future. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know we're dealing with father. And so, Jim, did you want to say something? I was going to say anger could fester in the father. Fester, yeah, yeah. Well, let's take it another step. Resentment. Anger will lead to... Re- anger that's unresolved will lead to resentment. And then resentment is... When that once that run, once that runs wild, it produces all kinds of garbage. So 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 now let's. Um, who talked about you talked about Jenny? You talked about developing a track record of trust. You know, okay. Because we can take our time with this, right? Okay. Now let's take it to an extent, another extent in a different type of relationship. A husband and wife relationship. I'm talking about husband and wife, and I'm talking about two people who live together, because a whole different, that's a whole different ballgame. Husband and wife are under certain principles as it pertains to the word, okay? Don't get mad at me, but you can play house all you want. That's not going to force God to treat you like a husband and wife, okay? Because people come to us and go, I don't understand we're having trouble. trouble. Well, of course you're having trouble. You're trying to access the blessings of God that are reserved for a married couple, but you're not married. It's like an unsafe person knocking on the doors to heaven saying, you have to let me in. No, I don't have to let you in because you don't qualify. Okay, it might sound harsh, but think about it. You'll understand the truth. But let's go to husband-wife relationship. One or the other is unfaithful in the relationship. The person who's unfaithful has been unfaithful for years, and so for them, it's not a novelty. But all of a sudden, one day, either the truth comes out by accident or the party at fault 
is under so much guilt and condemnation that they go to the other spouse and confess. And then they're surprised when the spouse is devastated. You see, you see that? Now, the person that's at fault has been living this life. They're not shocked. There's no shock value for them. But the other person has been living, thinking they've been living a certain life. And all of a sudden find out that, bam, this is a lie. And then the one that's at fault will say almost every time, well, I don't understand. I, I confessed it to you. I asked your forgiveness. Uh, God forgave me. Why can't you forgive me? Well, because I just found out about this. So, so, and then you'll hear, inevitably, because in 25 years of pastoring, you go through this stuff. I don't understand now. They want to know every move I'm making. So would I. So would I. Well, I, it's too much pressure on me. No, you now are obligated to rebuild a track record of trust. In fact, you're going to have to go all the way this way so that you can come back to the balance in the middle at some, day, at some point. Okay, let's go on the other side of it. Well, pastor, I found out this is what's happening. I want a divorce. I have biblical grounds. You do, but you don't have to. You can divorce on those biblical grounds, but you can also forgive and try to salvage the whole situation. Now, if it's the 20th time, is this too real tonight? I'm saving you a counseling appointment. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah, do you have the right to? and incur nothing, you're not in sin? Yes, because the Bible says. There's two biblical reasons, well, probably three, but two that we can clearly. The person's been unfaithful, or the person's a non-believer and doesn't want to become a believer and wants to be released from the relationship. The Bible says you can do that, you could divorce on those grounds. I would add the third, that if the person is beating the living daylights out of you, you get out of the situation. Because it's better for you to get out of the situation than for us to have to plan your funeral. Okay? And, and that's not just a guy-on-woman thing. There's plenty of women that beat up their husbands. <laughs> and the husband won't tell anybody. <laughs> Are we good here? Anybody got any questions, observations, comments? Leave the arguments for later. Are we good on this? Yes. Okay. Just because you have the right to take action with something doesn't mean you have to. That's where you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the easiest way, and, and that's not an easy thing to do in a situation like that. Man, I, I don't even want to know. I'm going to turn around. I, I know I'm talking to somebody tonight <laughs> or a few people. Just because we have the right biblically doesn't mean we have to. We could always take the root of forgiveness we could always take the path of compassion and, and, and salvage the situation because people do change. Amen. And not always for the bad. People do change for the good sometimes. Amen. Let me just say one more thing while we're on this. Understand, nobody's, well, that's not true. Hurt people 
hurt people. Because some people will spend their whole lives trying to figure out, why did this person do this to me? Well, it's because something happened to them that warped their, their thinking, uh, damaged their soul, uh, traumatized them. And so sometimes you really got to hear from God whether you should walk the help as much as it can hurt you. There is, at times, a grace that comes from God that enables you to walk through these really horrific situations. Let's face it, anytime God chooses to use you as his grace towards someone, there's going to be pain involved. Look at Jesus. God used Jesus to shower us with his grace. It cost him. He suffered horribly. So, should we move on? Anybody want to add to that? Say anything? Comment? Throw something? Okay. All right. Did we do number six yet? Do you think the father still loves his child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think when you sin, you fall, you slip back in areas, does the Father still love us? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Number seven. Our relationship with our Heavenly Father is similar, similar, not identical, to our relationship with with our earthly Father. Our Heavenly Father knows everything we think and sees everything we do. God loves us and is willing to forgive us if we will be honest and confess our sins to him. Let's read 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have, look at how it affects relationships. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, come on, cleanses us from all sin. Look, you see the cleanses? Cleanses, cleanses. Is that a one-time thing? Cleanses, a continuous wash cycle, continuously. But what is that continuous wash cycle dependent upon? Confessing our faults, our sins. Okay? Now watch, go back, go back. So we can assume then, this is the word of God, right? Yes Yes or no? This is the same anointed, spirit-inspired word of God like John 3, 16, right? This is not less word of God, is it? So then we can draw the conclusion from here that if we don't walk in the light as he is in the light, it affects our relationship with one another. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think unresolved wounds and hurts is going to affect the relationship with somebody? Absolutely. So you think if you have a relationship with somebody and they're like a pillar of the church and they know the word of God and they can pray up a storm, but then all of a sudden one day you start sensing something's not right. Something's not right. It affects the relationship. And so that's what we're told, to confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another that we'll be healed. Amen? Amen. 
Now, there's another scripture that tells us in one of the translations um, that we should give each other a break. That we should actually, ahead of time, make room for each other's faults. Because the day's going to come, believe it or not, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, the day's going to come if you hang around me long enough. You're going to find fault. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not going to do it intentionally, but just because, because I'm human, I, I think you are too, yes? So the scriptures, knowing us, because God created us who we are, tells us. In other words, just go into life assuming that somebody's going to hurt you. Now, don't go looking for it. But just when it happens, don't go. (gasps) Make an allowance for one another's faults. You're listening. Okay, so, but if we walk in light, as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. So this affects our, our relationship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Next verse. If we say that we have no sin, come on, read it with me. Because your, your ears need to hear your mouth saying this. Say, if we say that we have no sin, and the truth is what? A whole lot of delusional people walking around. In deception, in deception. Oh, I don't sin like that person. Yeah, well, maybe you got a little bit more creative with it. (laughs) Maybe you found a new way to do it. Next verse. If we confess our sins, here we go, here's here's the remedy. He, God, is what? And what? Just. In other words, he's fair. He can be counted upon. He's trustworthy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. What does faithful mean? Mike's, Mike's, Mike's. What does faithful mean? Because I'm here. Raise hand. Raise hand. You can always trust him. You can count on it. Go ahead. I heard it, but. You can count on it. Anybody else? Thank you. Loyal. Consistent. Loyal, yeah. True to his word. Thank you. True to his word. In other words, when somebody has been judged faithful, you could depend on them to respond the same way every single time. Isn't that awesome? If you plug that into that verse of scripture, if we confess our sins, he's trustworthy, loyal, dependable, going to respond the same way every time, and he's just, he's fair. In other words, there's not going to be a cruel, unusual punishment attached to something. I remember many, many, many years ago, I had the opportunity to kind of pick the brain of somebody who was an amazing, anointed uh, Christian counselor. And he said this to me, Joe, one of the the ways you're going to find out that where a person's at so you can help them. It's always so you can help them, not so you can judge. Because a whole lot of people in the body of Christ that think they have discernment, but they've got suspicion. Okay, okay. Uh, He said is this, something that should only get this much of a reaction gets this much of a reaction. He goes, that's a trigger. You've hit something. And it's usually attached to a root that is, and that person almost never knows what the root is, what's it, what the root is that it's attached to. 
okay? Jesus always asked people questions to find out where they were at. Paul did the same thing. Now, Jesus and Paul, most of the time, they were trying to find out, is the person in faith so that they would know how to minister to the individual, okay? So if we confess our sins, he's faithful, dependable, trustworthy, and just to do what? Forgive us all our sins, and what? That's just as important. Cleanse us from all what? Unrighteousness. So, so let's paraphrase it this way. When we confess our sins, and when we come, become vulnerable and transparent before God, God, okay, and be careful with the confess your sins to one another thing. Be careful who you confess your sins to. Be careful that they're not a, a publishing agency. You know what I'm talking about? There's some people that no matter what you tell them, it's going to be on the street within 10 minutes. And especially now with social media, okay? So what was I saying? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, while we're out there, try to get this, try to get this. Acting like someone who is not righteous, now it doesn't affect our right standing with God, but it affects our souls. We pick things up. How many times in the past we've heard stories about ministers, a minister, I could think of one person right now, not that I knew this person, I know of the person, um, was free from, from every kind of drug abuse, alcoholism and everything for decades. Had a hard time in the ministry, something very devastating happened to them and decided just once just once I'm going to use, just to get my emotions so I can get over this heartbreaking situation. And just that once, got a bad batch of stuff. Dead. Dead. Okay? You and I have to understand, if you're in this room tonight and you are a 100% born-again child of God, the Holy Spirit living inside you, you have a target on your back. The enemy, somehow or another, I don't know what the mechanism is, but the enemy knows when someone belongs to Christ. There's obviously in the spirit some type of an identifying mark. I don't know what it is uh, because, because it seems like. Now, the enemy changes tactics because he, he can't stop you from going to heaven. But if he can neutralize you and send you to heaven early so that you don't affect anybody else's life, he will do that if, if he can. So while we're out acting like someone who's not connected to God, who's not, whose spirit is not alive unto God, who has not been placed in the position of right standing with God, I'm not, I'm not saying that our position gets affected. In God's eyes, we're still righteous because you didn't do anything to get in that position. And you can't do anything to get out of that position. You would take a total act of your will to say to God, I don't want you in my life anymore. I do not want you. I want to go to hell, and that's it. I don't know too many people are going to do that in their right mind. Are you listening? Okay. But while we're out in the world again, you're going to pick some things up. If you sleep with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas. So the promise we have here 
is that if we confess our sins, we become transparent before God, we become vulnerable before God. And by the way, you and I don't receive anything from God unless we become vulnerable. Unless we become like children. You know, a kid will tell you anything. You know, they don't have any, 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 any they're not guarded. They'll tell you whatever they did, they'll tell you, you know. So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness. Now, that's not for God's sake. That's for our sake. Amen. Why? Because what ends up happening is when we, when, we, when we don't come clean to God and when we don't make ourselves vulnerable and when we don't put ourselves out there so that God could change our hearts, on God's side... We're, he still sees us as in right standing with himself. Because if we didn't, we'd be, you, you know, every single day, you've got to worry about going to hell. But what it does to us is, our, our spirit knows that our soul has not handled the situation right. And you feel that, what's the word I'm looking for that? That grieving, that's the word, grieving. You feel that grieving. Like, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I know that, but I'm not right with him right now. And besides that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't leave us, but the Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit's not lightning, he's not a dove, he's a, he's a person. It's the, he is the spirit of Jesus himself. He has emotions, and Paul warns us in his letters, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? If we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, he'll never leave us or forsake us. But knowing that things between us are not that great hinders us from hearing from him. Besides that, we put ourselves in a position to entertain guilt and condemnation from the enemy. The amazing thing about the devil is this. He entices you through your own desires according to James chapter one. He entices us according to our own desires. And listen, he knows you better than you know yourself. The enemy knows what's gonna trigger you. The enemy knows what's gonna put you in a depression. The enemy knows all these things. He knows. He's, Listen, he's been studying mankind for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, okay? So given the opportunity, because he acts like a lawyer, like an attorney, and I think that's why so many times people compare attorneys to. <laughs> he'll take every legal loophole that he can, and some of them that are illegal, and he'll, remind, he'll entice you to sin, and then he'll throw it right back in your face. Oh. When you fall for it, then he goes, oh, is that how a Christian's supposed to act? And he'll use people around you, people close to you. Oh, is that how a Christian's supposed to talk? Is that how a Christian's supposed to act? You see what I'm saying? So the best thing we can do on a regular basis is to employ this principle from the word of God to keep things clean, to keep ourselves cleansed. Why? Because you've got a target on your back. A million people could be doing the same thing, but they're not saved. But when the saved person steps out, 
I'll give you the classic example. Fourth of July. You remember that, years ago? Uh, years ago, I guess it would have been, let's see, we moved to Seaside Park in 1986. 86. And lived there until like 92, 93. 92, I think it was. Just a block from the beach. Beautiful, love it. I'd go back there tomorrow if I could, okay? Fourth of July. Some of my family members decide they're gonna come down to the shore and spend Fourth of July. My brother brings a shopping bag full of fireworks. I'm not talking about the toys that they sell now. I'm talking about fireworks. The good stuff, the stuff you're not supposed to have. So, on the beach in Seaside Park, there are people lined up from the boardwalk in Seaside Heights all the way down to the border of Island Beach and maybe further because that's park. Everybody's shooting fireworks. I said to my brother, don't do this. Don't do this. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I love fireworks. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I could watch fireworks every, every day of the week. I love fireworks. So it was like, don't do this. Come on, let's go. <laughs> don't do this. What do we need? So we're on the front lines with everybody else. Now, if you're familiar with Seaside Park, at the intersection of 6th Avenue and Ocean Avenue, what is it? I think it's Ocean Avenue, right? There's a police station there. We lived right across the street from the police. In fact, we could watch the policemen in there from our bedroom window in the front of the house. All we had to do was look across the street and see them in their office, okay? Out of the thousands of people who were shooting fireworks, who do you think they make a beeline for? And I got my Jesus T-shirt on. <laughs> my little son, my oldest was only six years old back then or something like that. He's crying his eyes out as they watch the police lead their father. Thank God I wasn't a pastor then. <laughs> lead their father from the beach. And I learned a tremendous lesson that day. We have no business conducting ourselves as unrighteous. Well, pastor, what's the big deal about shooting fireworks? Got nothing to do with it. We are commanded in the book of Romans to obey the laws of the land. And I knew what I was doing. It wasn't like, oh, oh, is this wrong? Should we not be doing this? You and I have a target on our back. It's a good target. It's the seal of the Holy Ghost that marks us that we belong to God Almighty. In the Old Testament, it was mandated circumcision. In the New Testament, it's a circumcision of the heart. He's faithful and just. Now, Jay, can you go to another scripture there? I know it's not on the outline. Why is this scripture extremely important? Go to Psalm 103, start in verse 1. Some of you know where I'm going. Has this been fun tonight? Yes. Psalm 103. Come on, let's say this all nice and loud. We're going to wrap up tonight by saying this scripture here. Ready? One, two, three. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Not only is he faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but he's also promised. Not only will I forgive your iniquity, iniquity is your, what's the word, propensity? What's, it, what's a real word, like a normal word for people? You're leaning a tendency towards sin. And there's some of us that have a particular area of sin that seems like plagues us over and over again. I don't know what yours is. I don't know if I want to go further with that statement. (laughs) I have an idea what mine is, okay. But he's promised not just to forgive the single incident, but to forgive the tendency within us to lean in that specific direction. And then, what an awesome promise. He forgives all of our iniquities, and he does what? Heals all your diseases. Questions, comments, let's see the hands. Mike, I know you're Mindy, but today you're Mike. to the little boy with the mailbox that it's all about repentance. If he would have went to his dad and, and told him... Well, they settled the situation. The father went to the insurance company. They bought a new mailbox. Everything's okay. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But the outcome would have been differently if he would have went to his dad and, and, asked, and told him and was sorry about it. And being that he didn't, me as a parent, how I would have handled that, because I, 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 I used the rod. So I would have... Um, How many mailboxes did you go through? <laughs> he probably had a job, the child, because he's driving, I would hope. So maybe he could have uh, given his dad money. Yeah, uh, look, a lot of things could have happened. We got right. the illustration right. as far as it went. Hopefully, in real life, the kid did confess to the father and things got repaired. Anybody else? Right over there. Yeah, just you, wait till you get the mic. Wouldn't it have been the earthly father's job to have explained to, I mean, like, basically told his son? Yeah, we don't know that that didn't happen. Yeah, like I said, we're only dealing with the facts that we have in the story as uh, a means of illustration. Yeah, no, I, we want to believe that that's the way it should. No, now, let's take it a step further. why I wouldn't have, you know, okay. maybe I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> All right, so, so then it's the father in heaven's right and his responsibility as a good father not to let us get away with anything. Yes. At some point in time, he deals with us, yes. either, either through the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, specifically, or the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, pointing stuff out to us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, I think that's why that verse of Scripture that we just went through, uh, 1 John 1, 9, is extremely important. Now, that, that verse of Scripture could be controversial. There are some people that say, well, that should happen once and you should never have to go back to God the Father. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I think it's an act of respect. Even though, are all of our sins forgiven? Did Jesus forgive us at the cross? Absolutely. But as an act of respect, I think we should go to the Father and say, look, I know you did this. And I know you know the moment I started planning this. So as an act of respect, I want to come to you and say, Father, I'm sorry. Help me with this situation. Holy Spirit, help me. Come alongside of me, take hold together with me so that I can resist this situation in the future. Yeah. 
I think that's an even better picture of the Father. I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. Because He loves us, He deals with us. In fact, I would be very concerned when we're not getting convicted in our hearts. When we're not, I would be really concerned about that. Anybody else? Marie? Yeah. I just, I just feel that the confession, the cleansing, that Scripture 1, John 1, 9, is good daily because it cleanses our, like you said, conviction, our conscience, just for us. Yes, the Lord already forgave us, right. but we ourselves right. need to feel that cleansing. And that's a good point because not that we need to do this religiously. I hate when people say, well, I do that religiously. Well, that's what I'm concerned about. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we don't give any foothold to the enemy to come in and bring condemnation and guilt and shame. There are people that carry shame for stuff for years and years and years, and the enemy loves that. He just, that just breeds uh, the attention of the enemy, just comes and just like, he wants to seize that opportunity and make your person feel like a piece of garbage. So, that's good. Thank you, Marie. Anybody else? Yes. Um, we need a mic over here. I'm sorry, keep your hand up so they know. Uh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, I feel like when, it's important for us to catch ourselves at that moment, right? At one moment. Uh, when you're, well, it's great to catch it before you sin, right? But sometimes our flesh takes over, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we're being influenced, obviously, by the spiritual realm. Um, but I feel like I try so hard to, as soon as I realize I've sinned, right? I, it's the humility, I showed the humility to confess my sins then. Not, like, it's not like I have a, like, confess your sins once a day, ever, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. To me, it's confess, no, you confess your sins as soon as you realize you've sinned. That's, I think that's that childlike. Yeah, be quick to repent, absolutely. I think that's the main reason why God said about David, he's a man after my own heart, because David by no means was perfect. David wasn't even close to perfect, but because he was quick to repent, when he did mess up, he went to God. Yeah. Anybody else? Jim? I've always been confused that the devil's not omnipresent. How does he influence all of us? Like, so. Well, there's a spiritual realm. Um, well, number one, there's not just, you know, he's the devil over his kingdom, but he's got all these other demons underneath him. Number one. Number two, um, you know, he's not limited in the spirit realm, just like God the Father is not limited in the spirit. Well, he's, he's limited to, to the authority that we have, but it's not, it's not like he can't speak to your mind even though he's not right in front of you. And I think we need to really um, make that clear and grasp that truth um, so that we can recognize, wait a second, here's one of the biggest tricks of the enemy. That thought didn't come from me. You see what I'm saying? When, when we're hit with something, we have to realize, wait a second, my spirit's born again. My spirit's been made perfect in God. We didn't get to that scripture tonight. We will get to it next week. My spirit's been made perfect in God. So I don't have a, it's not a spiritual issue, it's a soul issue. So I need to be able to recognize and understand, wait a second, that temptation, that thought, that, that degenerate picture in my head, that could not have come from my spirit. That had to come from outside of me. Be trying to infiltrate my soul. 
You see what I'm saying? When we recognize that, then we know to deal with it right away. Because I've had people come to me and say, well, I, Pastor, I, I don't know if this is coming from God, if it's coming from the devil. Oh, it's very easy to, to, to distinguish that. You know, yesterday morning in the Bible study, we talked a lot about John 10.10. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to bring them life and bring it to, well, if the thought comes to you and it's going to lead to you being robbed of something, something destroyed in you, or bring death into your life, it's very simple to realize that didn't come from God. That came from the devil. Amen. Anybody else? Um, my mom and I are kind of um, at a point right now where we're estranged. Um, she's not a believer. She's um, like a full-on atheist. And um, I have, she was, she's been kind of rough on me physically in the past. And I've tried to move past it and like have conversations with her as an adult. Um, and I don't think that she has confessed her sins or like at least not to me. And just knowing that she doesn't have a spiritual life, I, it's just been hard for me to get to peace on the situation. I feel that a part of me forgives her and like doesn't need her to um, acknowledge her actions. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's also really hard to just not have a relationship with your mom. But it kind of seems like it is just an obstacle between us right now. So I am just looking for guidance on like how to love her, um, how to be at peace on the situation if I do never get to that point with her where she is able to acknowledge like her mistakes. Like we all make mistakes. Right. But you forgiving her doesn't need to be connected to her acknowledging. In fact, the tactic to get to victory in this area is not waiting for the acknowledgement, number one. Number two, who's she gonna confess him to? If she in her mind has convinced herself that there is no God, then she doesn't feel obligated to anybody above a human being to go and confess it to. So you gotta recognize that fault and that flaw. Um, she doesn't have a connection there. Now, if you were standing up here and we were just one-on-one, -on -one, I would say, you forgive her and you pray for her and pray for her re regardless of what her conduct is. Do not connect it to conduct because you wouldn't want your forgiveness from the Father to be connected to your conduct and my conduct, right? So you, that's an unconditional love issue. Love her, especially if you want to see her change. Especially if you want to see her at some point in, in the future before she takes her last breath to, to be reconciled to God in heaven. Uh, remove, take it out of the emotional realm. In your mind, position yourself like, I've forgiven her. I don't really care what she does anymore. I've forgiven her. And so break that emotional thing. Okay, you can still love her even if you have to love her from a distance. And sometimes for a season, you may have to love her from a distance. I mean, that happens sometimes. We go through seasons of life. Sometimes it's better for us to not be in this situation because we can actually handle it objectively. And then believe God for restoration. Yeah. Pray that God surrounds her with other believers, not you. Because she's, she's almost, not, almost never going to receive from you. She'll receive from a stranger. So pray that God, that's when Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. Pray, let's pray like that right now in agreement with, with her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. What's your name, hon? 
Juliana. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for Juliana's mom. Father, we pray that you surround her with people who know you, people who know your love, people who know the word of God. People, Father, that you can put on assignment and they're trustworthy. They're going to they're gonna follow your directions and follow your instruction. Father, we claim Juliana's mom, Father God. We know that you're going to do everything possible to reach our heart, Father God. You're going to surround her with people. You're going to surround her with stuff on the internet. You're going to surround her with stuff on TV. You're going to say, well, no matter where she turns, Father, she's going to be confronted with the knowledge of the truth of the glorious light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for Juliana that you give her light and give her revelation in this area, Father. We pray, Lord, that you give her the grace and the strength to be able to walk in love, to be able to overlook the flaws and the faults, Father God, and for, that, for her to have the strength. And Father, by the Holy Spirit, give her specific scriptures to pray for her mom, Father God, because we know that's where the power is, Lord. And so we rejoice, Father God. We call that relationship reconciled. Lord, in the book of Colossians, you said that the blood of Jesus reconciled us here on earth and heaven. Father God, we call on the blood of Jesus to bring reconciliation in this mother-daughter relationship. And we receive that by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So what do you think? Was this good tonight? Um, so let's, let's do this for the next couple of weeks and see how it works out. Okay? All right? So you got your outlines. Please bring it with you next week. Keep it in your car. Don't put it with all the McDonald's wrappers. Just keep it someplace safe. Amen? And try to bring it back next week. If you'd like to, start studying ahead, okay? God bless you. I see many searching for it.